Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. Well, welcome, Victory Church. We are at the Edmond campus today. And if you can't tell, they are on fire. They are ready to go. And we just want to welcome our Oklahoma City campus. Help me in welcoming our Oklahoma City campus. We love you. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful that we could join you today. And for those of you watching online, we are so uh, honored to join you, whether you're watching today live with us or this is something you're watching much later, we believe that God has a word for you. And we believe that God can, um, no matter what time it is, through a camera, his presence can be right there with you wherever you find yourself, whether you're driving in a car, I, I would just encourage you not to worship with your eyes closed. Or whether you find yourself in a room right now and you feel isolated and you feel like the enemy is working on you, I believe that God has a very specific word for you that he wants to minister to you. I'm gonna take just a minute and I wanna honor our lead pastor, Pastor John Chasteen. <laughs> pastor John will be back with us next week and he is excited. He, is, he just preached yesterday at the EXO conference so for the second time and so God is using him in a powerful way through that in, in the, the work of marriages. And right now, he's actually preaching in Colorado. So help me in saying, hi, Pastor John. We love you, Pastor John. Well, today we are continuing this season that we're in. We're in a season on bended knee. How many of you have enjoyed this season on bended knee? And if you haven't been with us through the season or if you've only caught a couple of messages, I would encourage you to go all the way back to our very first week when Pastor John kind of set the foundation for this season when he said God wants his job back. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I just, just nonchalantly and, and without even realizing it, I began to take things from job, God's job description and I began to put those things on my job description. And I can tell you this, it never works out very well. That God has a job and you have a job and they are very different. And so today I want to kind of continue in this theme, I want to talk about a story that many of us have heard. This story is found in Daniel 6. Now, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to preach the entire chapter of Daniel 6. So I'm expecting to be out of here by dinner. Easy. <laughs> Easy. I'll get you guys out of here. It'll be great. Um, and so we have a lot of scripture I want to walk through, but I just think there's so much. Now, the the story that you find and that you mostly hear about in, in this chapter in the Bible is about Daniel and the lion's den. But I think, the, I think the problem is, is that we miss so much of what God is doing and saying in this chapter. So I want to impact the entire chapter for us. Just to give you some backstory at this point, Babylon has been overthrown. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar was, if you remember in Daniel 3, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was in rule. 
And you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they go into the fire and they're not even, like nothing happens to them. God shows off in a big way. But Nebuchadnezzar at this point in Daniel has been overthrown and there's a new king in office. His name is Darius. And Darius is in office and Darius as a diplomatic move for the nation uh, basically keeps on most of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men. So there's 120 wise men that he appoints, and Daniel is one of those people. And so we find kind of that's where we start in Daniel 6, 1 through, I'm going to read 1 through 9 and lead us into our first point. It says this in Daniel 6, 1 through 9, it says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So not only is Daniel one of the wise men, but he's one of the few that's in charge. Okay? So Daniel's one of the few that's in charge. It said Daniel soon proved himself to be more capable than all of the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire, which is, which is wild. If you read the rest of the, the previous chapters of Daniel, uh, there's, there's, he's very different than everybody else. In fact, he believes very different than even King Darius, but Darius was able to see that there's something a little different about Daniel. And so he chooses him to be over because of his great ability. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, and this is where I I really think um, this kind of applies to where we are in culture right now, Uh, specifically in the world, but specifically in the United States, says our only chance of finding grounds of accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. They're trying to gain favor with him in this moment. They said, we are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law into, uh, so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked, so King Darius signed the law. My first thought today that I want to talk to us about is this. A bended knee is offensive to our enemy. Listen, a bended knee, someone who bends their knee and is faithful to bend their knee before a holy God is offensive to our enemy. And because it's offensive to our enemy, it's offensive to others. I don't know about you, but there was something different about Daniel. At this point in, the, in Daniel 6, up to Daniel 6, 
We, uh, many believe that, that Daniel was about 80 years old at this time. That for 70 years, Daniel had been bending his knee, and we'll find later in the story, praying three times a day. And this is what caught the eye of the king. What's interesting is Darius was very different. Darius didn't believe in the same God that Daniel believed in, but yet Daniel's faithfulness to Daniel's God caught the eye of the king. So much so that, that, that Darius said, this guy has great ability, and because of his great ability, I'm gonna put him not over just some of the provinces, I'm gonna put him over the entire kingdom. Did you know that your faithfulness is what will promote you? Listen, your faithfulness, it's not your, it's not your, your boss's job to promote you. It's not, it's not your, your great uh, studies and what you've done in college. Now, I think those things are really important, and we should serve our boss well, and we should do due diligence to learn everything we can. But at the end of the day, I'm just telling you, there's been times in my life where I have been promoted when I shouldn't have been because of faithfulness. But God is faithful to promote those who are faithful. And Daniel finds himself in a appointed position in the kingdom because he was just simply faithful. I love the way the Christian standard uh, Bible says it this way, Daniel 3. It says, it, not, not great ability, but it says this. It says, Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit so the, so the king planned to set him over the whole realm. Can I remind you this morning, those of you who have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you have an extraordinary spirit about you. And this isn't just any spirit. This is the spirit of the living God by the name of the Holy Spirit who is a, a, the person that lives within you, that guides you, that directs you, that comforts you, that empowers you, that encourages you, and he's come, and because you have that spirit within you, you look different from everybody else. You are set apart. The Bible says this, you're not just set apart, but you're made holy. You are set apart and holy. And if you're finding yourself in difficulty at your job, or difficulty with maybe even a spouse that believes different than you, let me just remind you for just a moment, there's something within you that is different. And whether you want to or not, it rubs people the wrong way. Now, it doesn't give you the right to hold yourself above them. Because I know Christians that think they walk around and they say, oh, I'm just so holy. Can I just tell you, that will rub people the wrong way. When you walk around and you're polishing your halo every second you get and you're reminding everybody of how bad they are. No, but listen, if you'll just live your life in a way that is faithful. Listen, you'll bend a knee when everybody else says, I've got to take a stand. When you will, when you will serve, when everybody else says, I've got to lead. When you, will, when you will replace a kind word with a difficult word. When you'll just be different, whether you want to or not, it sets you apart. And Daniel was set apart. See, the enemy hates you because, because he hates the God that is in you. In fact, John 15, this is Jesus speaking, kind of says it this way. 
He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world. So it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master since they persecuted me. Naturally, they will persecute you. I just came to tell somebody today that maybe you're being persecuted because you belong to Jesus. And can I just give you a really encouraging word? Persecution's gonna get worse. I don't know about you, if you, if you, have you read the Bible? Have you read Revelation? It gets a little bit worse, but I'm so thankful that I'm not of the world, I'm of God, and it doesn't matter how much the enemy brings and how hard it gets and how persecuted I become, I belong to God. And so even in persecution, when I bend a knee, I'm protected. He says, and if they listen to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to me because they have rejected the one who sent me. This is the key. Since they, they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could, they would not be guilty, but as it is, they have seen everything I did, and yet they still hate my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. See, I think Jesus is, is showing something here. He's showing that they hated Jesus because of who had sent them. They hated Jesus because, because who had sent him. Listen, listen. They, the enemy hates you because I just stated it before. The enemy hates you because of the God that is in you, who you belong to. Now, we can understand this as, as sports fans. We, we can understand hating someone for who they belong to. I'm going to th throw out a couple of names, and you're going to give me a yes or a boo. Kevin Durant. Yeah. We got one yeah. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I guess that we can, we can forgive him a little bit. Lincoln Riley. Oh, don't say that around here. This is Sooner Nation and OSU. We understand this hating someone for who they belong to. It is much bigger than that in our Christian walk. There is an enemy. And see, I think Daniel had the perspective Daniel didn't lash out at the people that were, that were accusing him. He didn't lash out because I think Daniel understood that it really wasn't about these people. It was about a bigger enemy at play. Daniel understood who his God was, and he understood that there was a real enemy to his God. And so, therefore, if people were coming against him, it was because they were coming against his God. See, we have to have this, this understanding that when someone comes against me, it's not them that I have to be mad at. See, we find ourselves on social media and we find ourselves in arguments and fighting people that we are not called to fight. We're fighting business owners because they're doing something. We're fighting this person because they believe this way. We're fighting this person because they find themselves in this political party. Can I remind you, it's not about them. It's about the enemy. I'm fired up today. 
Because I believe that we are called to fight the enemy. And how do we do that? We do that on bended knee. We bend our knee and we fight. But the enemy wants us to be to believe that our spouse is the enemy. Hmm. Gets real, right? He wants us to believe that our boss is the enemy. He wants us to believe that our parent is the enemy or our child is the enemy or Lincoln Riley is the enemy. <laughs> when the truth is, he is the enemy. And here's why he does it. He is a deceiver. And he is deceiving us right now. And he is dividing not just the world, but he is dividing his church. Can we unify around the idea that we have one common enemy? You know, a, a, an enemy is a great unifier. People who don't like each other will unify over a cause that they are angry about. People who don't even believe the same way, if they can find one common enemy, they'll unify around that idea that this is the enemy and so I am with you. I don't like you. I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you look, the way you sound, but I'll unify with you because I don't like this person. Can we as the body of Christ come together and bend our knee and say, enemy, you will not have our church. We're not going to have our church because he deceives and he diverts. And Daniel had an opportunity in front of him to do one or two things. When a law was written, here's what he had the choice of. And this is our choice. Will we compromise or will we bend? Hmm. Will we compromise what we believe? We compromise who our God is. We get in uh, our jobs and we get around people that we, wanna, we want people to like us, don't we? And so we'll engage in conversations that probably isn't bending for the sake of being liked. We'll maybe, as business owners, we want to make some extra money, so we'll engage in a relationship with another company that maybe isn't the right person to engage our business with. We'll do things and we'll say things. We'll maybe, maybe for the single people, it's like, listen, I've been praying for a man and, and he ain't coming, so I'm just going to, you know, I can fix him. <laughs> Any fixers out there? Come on, let's just be honest. Can I just remind you, you ain't called to fix him. That's God's job. And if you'll remain faithful and you'll bend in your singleness in this time where you have more time to bend than anybody else, God will bring you the right person. But we just have to to bend. We can't compromise. And I, I, I'm so um, challenged by Daniel's ability in the midst of controversy, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of, of laws being written, in the midst of his life being on the line, he would bend. So we pick up in verse 10. You guys liking it so far? Yeah. That's just point one. Daniel 6, 10 through 23 says this. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, I want you to catch this. This is a, I love this response. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Mm. When it's went, with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. 
giving thanks to his God. Can you believe that? God, thank you for uh, making all these people want to kill me. That's awesome. I praise you, God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking God for help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about the law. Did you sign that law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. The decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king... That man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way out to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament because Daniel was an asset to him. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes, and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So, that, so at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown to the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I almost think, I can almost hear Darius's tone as, I hope you're right. Man, I... I, really, I don't want this to happen. I hope your God is real because I don't want this to happen. You can almost hear this kind of shift in Darius's language and his tone. It says, a stone was brought over and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and, lit, check this out, and spent the night fasting. You know when he saw fasting? In chapter 1. Of Daniel, when Daniel fasted because they were trying to get him to eat things and drink things that he wouldn't do. So, what did Daniel do for 21 days? He prayed and he fasted. I find it interesting that Darius goes back and he fasts. It says he refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at night. <clears throat> Very early the next morning, he got, he got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Hmm. He's calling him the living God. Was your God whom you serve so faithful to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the, the, the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel to be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he trusted in his God. Point two, a, ba a bended knee is a battle stance. We sing the song, and we sang earlier today, this is how I fight my battles. Can I just show you the posture? This is how we fight our battles. Daniel is, like I said earlier, probably 80 years old at this point. He'd been practicing this for about 70 years, bending his knee, going back and bending his knee. And so when the they issue <clears throat> when they issue the the law that Daniel's to be thrown into the lion's den, it says that he goes back to his room. 
and he prays as usual, just as he had always done. See, Daniel realized that, listen, I'm going to my knees, not because I'm just in anguish, but because I'm fighting a battle here. And what I love is this, is this gives us a picture that Daniel, here's what, I think that, I think that chapter 6 um, of, of, of Daniel, you know, it, it becomes about the lion's den, and I believe it's about the prayer room. Because listen, he found himself in the, in the lion's den, but he didn't learn to fight in the den, he learned to fight in his room. He learned to fight behind a closed door. And some of you, listen, can I just remind you, stay faithful. You've been fighting and you've been hurting and it's been hard, but you've been bending your knee and you've been praying and you've been going after God. Can I just remind you, it is worth it. You keep going because, listen, you may be fighting a battle that you don't even see yet. I believe Daniel's victory didn't happen when he was in the den. It happened when he was in his room. And Daniel, listen, went back to his room and he prayed as usual, day in and day out. Prayer is not a last resort, but a faithful and consistent fight. And oftentimes we just get busy, don't we? And life gets busy and we go through our day And then we find ourselves in a battle and we bend our knee in prayer. I would encourage you, we have to begin to practice day in and day out the faithful fight of consistency on our knees. Bending our knee when the world doesn't bend. Bending our knee when it feels like it's hard. Bending our knee when it seems like it's impossible. Because we may be fighting a battle now or we may be fighting a battle later. But can I just encourage you with something? You will fight a battle. Scripture says, but fear not, for I've overcome the world. Many are the trials and the tribulations of the righteous, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. We just need to stay connected to the Father. I I was um, in the the very first, I think it was like the first or second week, um, a friend of of mine and Pastor John sent us a text. He's, He's in law enforcement, pretty high up if... If he told me what he did, he'd have to kill me, and so I'd rather not know. And so he was, he was texting both of us. He said, man, he said, when you, were, when you guys were talking, he said, it really spoke to me. He said, I was reminded about in law enforcement when we are being in training, and we're training for what's happening. He said, anytime there's a malfunction, the first thing they teach us in law enforcement is the first thing that we do when, when a, there's a gun malfunction or there's a serious situation that we don't know what's going on is that we take our knee He said there's two things that that take place when we take our knee. First, the first thing is this, is that we become a smaller target to the enemy. Man. And some of you, you've been fighting and you've been poofing your chest out and you've been marching. And I think there's times for that. But you've made yourself a bigger target. And I think it's time for some of us to say, listen, I don't care what the enemy throws at me. I don't care what he's shooting at me. Listen, I'm just going to bend my knee because he can't find me here because I'm under the shadow of the Most High. I'm under the protection of my Father. And so I'm going to bend a knee because I'm a smaller target. He said the other thing is this, is that it's a very, very stable position and it's the best position to shoot from. 
So listen, it's not just a, a defensive mechanism. It's offensive. It says, I can gather myself. In the military, in the military, when the, when the officer sees, listen, I was, I've done all this research. I was, I was loving it. Like, I love military movies and law enforcement. And so I'm, I'm researching, and, and I found the mil, in military, how many military people we got in the house today? We honor you. We thank you. We love you. How many law enforcement? You guys are awesome. We support you. In the military, if an officer, if their troops are, are at a place where there's two things that need to happen, when, when they're tired or they need to gather more details, you know what the officer will say? Same thing as like you'll see a coach do. Hey, come on. Come in, guys. I want you to bend a knee. I need you to, I need you to, I need you to rest for just a moment. Because if you're tired, you can't hear clearly. If you're tired, you can't see clearly. If you're tired... You can't fight correctly. And I think there's so many of us. I was, I was thinking about this point in the message, and I was thinking about so many people that are so tired and so worn out, and you've been fighting, and your mind has been racing, and you're exhausted. Can I just remind someone this morning that God wants his job back? And you don't have to fight that battle in your mind. You don't have to find the right thing for this battle. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to work. There is no striving in the presence of God. All you have to do is take your knee. And in this position, they're looking up at an officer. They're looking up at a coach. And in this position, they're able to rest. They're able to sit. They're able to gather the troops. And they're able to look up at an officer who's got the details. I think right now, God is saying, I want to gather the church. Hey, come in. Hey, come in. Guys. Guys, you're tired. Guys, there's a fight. Guys, guess what, though? I've got a, I've got a plan. You don't know what the battle plan is. I, I've, I've got the battle plan, but I just, need, I just need you to come in. Will you just come in? Come in. Grab a knee. I need you to rest because we've got a long fight ahead of us. But right now, if you're tired, you can't fight. So come in. Bend your knee. Listen to what I have to say. God is saying, listen to what I have to say. I've got something for you. But you're just going to have to bend your knee. You're just going to have to rest. You're just going to have to be able to see clearly. Here's what it says in Psalm 62, 5 through 8. It says, yes, my soul finds rest in my God. My hope, it comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my, salva my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor Daniel's honor depended on God. He is my mighty, mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our what? Refuge. refuge. Will we just rest under the refuge of the Almighty? 
He'll deal with the lions if we'll bend our knee. And I wrote this down. I think most people never have the opportunity to prove God's faithfulness in the lion's den because they've not developed their trust in God behind the closed doors of their own room. And I don't know about you, but I want to prove my faithfulness in the lion's den not because of who I am, because of who he is. What did Darius say when he came back and he looked for, he looked for Daniel? What did he say? Was, your living, was, the living, was your God able to rescue? He didn't say, were you able to shut the mouth of the lions? Did you kick that lion in the head? How did you beat the lion? Did you have a weapon on you? No, he said, was your God able to rescue you? God was proved faithful, not Daniel. Pick up in verse 23. It says, the king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel to be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders. Oh, it's like I'm getting you now. You tricked me earlier. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It says, then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had thrown them into the lion's den along with the wives and children. Hmm. He said, then the lions leaped on them and tore them apart. This is like a movie, it's a little graphic. Before they even hit the floor of the den, and the King Darius sent the message to the people of every race, nation, language, and throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before God, the God of Daniel, for he is a living God. And he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. This is a guy who doesn't even believe in his God. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Last point is this. A bended knee will drive others to their knees. A bended knee. Some of you have been praying for someone. Some of you have been hurting for people. Some of you have been in, there's been conflict and there's been division and families and friendships and circles and neighborhoods and churches. Our job isn't to fight those battles. Our job is to bend our knee, and through bending our knee, we fight those battles. And because we bend our knee, they will bend their knee. Darius didn't comp, I mean, Daniel didn't compromise, and because Daniel didn't compromise who his God was, Darius was, Daniel caught the eye of Darius, and so he appointed him. And Daniel still didn't compromise when he was, when Darius was tricked into this new law. And Daniel goes back and just bends his knee as usual behind closed doors as he had always done. Ultimately, Darius issues an order throughout all the kingdom 
and says, listen, you may not believe, but you will tremble with fear for this is the, this is the living God. I don't know who you've been praying for. And I don't know what, what situation you've been in. I don't know if you've been praying for the business that you work in and you want it to come in line with godly values. Would you just bend your knee day in and day out in your job? Maybe you're with a spouse that doesn't believe like you. Would you just bend your knee day in and day out and don't tell them how wrong they are? You just bend your knee and you just serve and you just love and you just encourage and you just bend and then you bend and then you bend and then you bend. And I just believe that that marriage will come under the provision of the Father. And I believe that your husband or your wife will bend their knee because you're bending yours. I uh, was thinking last night, I was actually, thought the message was over, and I was just looking through my notes. And I was reminded of a guy that I saw bend his knee. His name was Jason Jackson. And I was a freshman in college. God had a way of getting me to Oral Roberts University, even though I wasn't following God. I remember the day I stepped out, I went, I went on a soccer scholarship. And I remember the day I stepped, my dad, my father, and my mom's here. And I remember they took me down to Oral Roberts. We were, I wasn't going to go to, I was like, Oral Roberts University? I never heard of it at that point. And I had scholarship opportunities other places. And so I thought, no, I'm going to go to the East Coast or the West Coast. And I found myself on a recruiting trip. Like, it's just in Tulsa we can go. And I remember stepping out. And I remember stepping out of the car. I didn't know what the peace of God was, but I knew when I stepped out of the car, I had peace. And so my dad, literally, literally, but we didn't meet the coach. We hadn't been there very long at all. We step out of the car, and my dad looks over at me. He says, what do you think? I said, you know, Dad, I think I'm actually going here. I didn't know that God had a plan. And one of those plans was for me to meet a guy my freshman year on a floor. Now, this guy's name was Jason Jackson, and Jason Jackson was a chaplain, and every chaplain was assigned a different floor in the university. And unfortunately for this guy, he was assigned the soccer floor. <laughs> we tortured him. And he was just, I mean, he, he was like Daniel for me. And this guy was, he woke up every morning excited to serve us. And I was like, I'm going to make, I'm just going to, I'm going to torture this guy. And we just had fun. I mean, it was, it was all fun and games. But at the end of the day, he wanted to influence us. And it didn't seem like he was doing much influencing. But, but Jason didn't know that I, I lived across the hall. And every week, he would have a small group. And only probably two or three guys would come. And I actually think they lived on a different floor. I think he just said, hey, come over because no one comes from my floor. And you, I've got snacks for you. <laughs> and I never showed up. And so Jason one, one time said, hey, can I come over to your room and go through some stuff? And I was like, I guess. I'm not going anywhere. And we went through a Bible study. It wasn't until years later that I really started following Christ. Jason, I think, probably thinks that he failed in his influence of me. I have no idea where Jason's at. I haven't talked to him since my freshman year of college. I, I really, I hope he watches this message or someone that knows him watches this message because I would love to share it with Jason. 
what he did in my life. Because I watched a guy who was so faithful despite the circumstances, who was faithful when everybody else wasn't, who carried joy, who carried peace. And there's a lot of reasons why I'm a Christ follower and a pastor today, but Jason happens to be one of those reasons. And as I was thinking about Jason, I was thinking about you. Because some of you have been praying for people. Some of you have been fighting for people. You may never know the influence that you have on someone's life. But I was thinking about Jason, what he did in my life. He's not only influenced people through his own life, but he's influenced people through my life. And every time I get up and any time I share God and any time I, I just talk to someone about it or my family, my family's impacted because of Jason. And there are people that are impacted because of you. So will you just be faithful? Will you just bend your knee? Will you just stay strong? And will you just not compromise? And will we bend our knee as Daniel bended his? What I want to do for just a moment is at all of our campuses and online, I want us to pray for those people that we've been praying for. That we know that we want their knee to be bended. So with every eye closed, nobody looking around, would you, if you've got someone that you've been battling for, praying for, and you want them to come to a place of bending their knee to, would you just raise your hand all over the room? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that just as Daniel was proven faithful, God, that these that are raising their hands are proven faithful. And God, I thank you that that in turn leads to other people bending their knees. So whatever we face, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's family, whether it's coworkers, whether it's people around us, I pray right now, Father, for their life to influence those lives around them. God, I thank you for what you're going to do and how you will use our situations. And even, just as Jason Jackson, if, even if we don't see the fruit, I thank you. The seeds are sown and fruit is coming. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.